This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Monday afternoon, October 23rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The UAW expends, extends, I should say, its strike to the plant, uh, that uh, Stellantis plant in Michigan, and this will impact Ram pickup production. We'll have the details in our next segment. But first, Wall Street faces a week of high stakes with tech giants reporting quarterly earnings and the release of several key economic reports. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Carl Ricadana, chief U.S. economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today, and this is the week for some tech heavyweights to report their third quarter earnings reports. That's right. Uh, the uh, actually a, a fairly sizable portion of the S and P 500 will be uh, reporting their uh, earnings this week. But uh, as we look at those tech companies, they really have dominated uh, the performance in the equity market uh, year to date. If we take the the seven tech high flyers out, then uh, it is a uh, a much cooler uh, market outcome for the year. Uh, and uh, it typically is those those other companies that do the uh, bulk of the, the hiring and investment in the U.S., not these uh, tech high flyers. They're, they're important to be sure, uh, but they don't dominate the macroeconomic landscape. So it's really a challenge to uh, try to distinguish between what's happening at the top line and what's happening beneath the surface as we look at those more old line uh, economies and uh, industries. And are these tech heavyweights, the Microsofts, the Metas, the Amazons, the Alphabets, uh, will they be evaluated primarily on their performance in the artificial intelligence space? Well, that has become a hot topic this year and seems to be what's driving the outperformance in a lot of those big tech names. Uh, so that, that is, uh, that, that's driving the narrative uh, at the moment at a time when otherwise the, the Fed has been applying a, a pretty firm foot on the brake pedal for the uh, broader economy. Uh, and uh, we've seen that in some of the uh, more uh, old line uh, industries. But uh, again, uh, the key event this week is going to be that uh, Q3 uh, GDP report. That's top line economic activity. And it certainly looks like the third quarter was a robust quarter. Now, it's interesting to uh, see the Atlanta Fed and their gross domestic product now cast, which is basically their estimate of how the economy is doing at this moment. It's not official data, but it's kind of a good signpost to see how things are going and how that squares with the, uh, the, the, the Q3 number that's reported later this week. Well, they do what we call a, a real-time forecast or a now cast. So it's kind of a tracking estimate of what the quarter will ultimately look like. Well, the, the point where we say pencils down uh, is basically uh, this Thursday at 8.30 in the morning Eastern time when we get the GDP numbers. Now, the Atlanta Fed's now cast is pointing to GDP growth of about 5 to 5.5%. 5 
uh, in the third quarter. That's an astounding number uh, that kind of looks more like how the economy was performing just as we were coming out of the pandemic. And, and we're, we're really seeing uh, that uh, pent up demand and the reopening of the economy really spurring uh, some robust activity. I don't think we'll see the performance of Q3 or the outperformance of Q3 carry into the back part of the year because those student loan payments are coming due and lots of interest rates are resetting higher on mortgages, auto loans, consumer loans, credit cards, etc. Uh, so I do think we'll see a downshift between Q3 and Q4, but Q3, sometimes uh, the chips all fall in uh, one direction, and uh, that appears to be the case uh, with uh, the data we'll be seeing on Thursday. And then very quickly later this week, uh, the Fed's favored measure of inflation, the Core Personal Consumer Expenditures Price Index, comes out this week. So it could calm some of the uh, interest rate anxiety or kick off another round of it, depending on uh, if it comes in hot or cold. Certainly. And we've seen the, the Consumer Price Index, kind of the, the cousin or sister index, of the Fed's uh, preferred uh, measure, and and that's moving in generally a favorable direction. Uh, It's slowly moving in the right direction, but it is moving in the right direction. And so uh, that is calming down some of the interest rate uh, jitters, at least at the short end of the curve, which is what's controlled by the Federal Reserve more actively. Uh, And the consensus now is uh, looking for the Fed to take a pass at the November meeting, maybe even the December meeting, and quite possibly be done raising rates for the cycle. That's my own team's view here at BNP Paribas. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The UAW has widened its strike to the Stellantis plant in Michigan, halting Ram pickup truck production. Joining us with the latest details is Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. And uh, this now means we have 6,800 workers at the Stellantis facility in Sterling Heights in suburban Detroit on strike. The Ram pickup truck, one of the most popular uh, vehicles in America. Uh, What type of economic blow is the uh, union striking at uh, Stellantis? Well, as we've said all along, the pickup plants are the nuclear option. So this is hitting Stellantis with its most important North American plant. Now, Stellantis does make pickup trucks in Mexico as well, so it doesn't cut off all of their pickup production, but it does, does mean a big hit to their most important product. And there is a little bit of runway for the automakers when we talk about the uh, amount of supply they have. Industry average is 62 days worth of supply. Uh, The Ram 1500 model, 114 days as of last week. Uh, The Chevy Silverado, a 100-day supply. The Ford F-150, a 99-day supply. So the automakers themselves can hold out even with these truck plants uh, now offline. Yeah, you would kind of think they knew a strike was coming, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, they, they would never talk about preparing for a strike, but but it's obvious they were, and, and they had responded from the chip crisis because these are their big money makers. But, but the issue is, particularly if you take a look at Ford and the Kentucky truck plant, where it makes work trucks, it's a lot of times truck buyers are very particular, and they want a particular trim of a particular truck, especially the, the bigger work trucks that are made at the Ford plant in Kentucky. So for consumers, this means you could 
you might have to wait a little bit longer if there's something specific you have in mind. We're talking to CBS News Automotive Correspondent Jeff Gilbert in Detroit. Uh, the fact that we're taking uh, another plant offline as far as the UAW is concerned, expanding the strike, uh, what does that say about the status of negotiations between uh, the big three automakers and Sean Fain at the UAW? Well, there are two things it could say. One is that they're far apart and uh, the, the union is really trying to get the car makers' attention, but it could, on the other hand, mean that they're fairly close and the union is playing its last card to try to get one more concession. Again, Sean Payne's never going to tell you which one it is because he's somebody who plays his cards close to his vest, even though he does talk a lot about strategy. But these tough things he doesn't say much about. So some of the big issues, and we're talking about uh, going back to a defined uh, benefit pension, uh, amount of days per week that uh, you can work, uh, some of the you know the the, the double digit forty percent uh, pay increases. Are there some areas specifically in contract talks where they've made progress, and are there some other demands that have gone by the boards? Yeah, they, they've made progress certainly in terms of pay because the car makers are now up to about. 23% pay hikes on average. So that's certainly something. And and the union isn't talking as much about defined benefit pensions as they're talking about these days more contributions to the existing 401k plan. So you can you can see them narrowing there on, on some of these issues. Uh, one big tough one is workers at these battery plants that are being built. GM has agreed to put them under what's called the master contract. Ford and Stellantis are balking on that. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, get ahead of the AI revolution. Join us to learn how to prepare to adopt to AI. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. As AI adoption surges, new data shows 80% of companies aim to deploy the game-changing technology to their operations within the next two years. Joining us how to, to talk about this trend and how to get ready for it is Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Rick, thank you for joining us today. And a quote that really jumped out at me in the last couple of months, all this discussion over uh, what AI is going to do to the workforce, and the really pithy quote that I thought there was a great deal of insight in it was, uh, you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose your job to the person who understands AI. Is that the case? Well, I think in the short term, that's absolutely true, uh, because the it's not going to go away. If you look at most companies are operating, trying to increase their productivity and increase their profitability. And so AI used appropriately is probably going to support both of those issues. If your company and your people uh, interface with AI and they can be more productive and therefore you could be more profitable, uh, that's that's the near that's the near term future. And there are uh, some things that you can do on your own to uh, improve your comfort level with AI. I mean, you can noodle around with uh, chat GPT. You can play around with some of the image creators. I mean, you can teach yourself AI in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, you know, and there's going to be more and more of those opportunities. And I think you want to, given whatever your function is, so those that have a very high level of interaction, social skills, and the responsibility for interpersonal interaction in their organizations, they're pretty safe. The trades are safe, at least for now. And so 
they if they can find a way for AI to help them do their work more effectively and, and again, be more productive and more profitable, that's great. Uh, if you're pure data research, uh, if you're pure coding at the very uh, sort of basic levels, you're doing survey work, you're doing science research, it's going to be very hard for you to integrate with AI. That's probably going to take a lot of jobs away. But there are a lot of jobs that are going to come in the future that are a blend of the function of AI along with the person doing the work. And and that's where you want to try and fit yourself into the organization. How can AI help me do my job better without replacing me? We're talking to Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm to discern in Chicago. Obviously, everybody has the jobs are different. Companies are different. Your goals are different. Uh, but what are some ways that you can really kind of you can see AI being adopted in maybe at the corporate level? You know, in in very broad ways, as opposed to very specific, like business specific ways. Is is it really kind of uh, data analysis and decision making? Is that where you're going to see it first? Yeah, what's going to happen, and it's going to actually be available for companies that would be mid cap and smaller, which doesn't isn't typically the case. You're not going to have to hire. Pardon me, name the big consulting company. I won't name one just because I don't want to show show favoritism. But you're going to be able to get strategic research information that affects your industry. You're going to be able to go to an AI function and find out what's my competitor doing or what are my competitors doing? Where should I be? What's the market for this particular product in a way, provided that the AI is functioning appropriately, you're going to be able to do strategic thinking in a way that a lot of companies don't currently do or don't have the ability to do it because they don't have enough people to focus on that. They're too busy doing the day-to-day. The one qualifier or two qualifiers that I, that we are concerned about is the, the litigation aspects of this. And the other part is AI is a sociopath. It doesn't have any shame. It doesn't have any accountability. It has no remorse. So if, if I say, rather than find out the truth about something or find out what this is, if I say and said, tell me why pizza is good for you, uh, you know, I can build a very strong case for that, which may not be accurate at all as far as doctors go. AI is a sociopath, Rick, then it, it's going to take all the pundit jobs away. <laughs> yeah, well, we can vote for them. <laughs> Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm Two Discern, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, learning how to maximize your financial future. And then at 1249, a couple of stock picks from our Monday afternoon stock picker. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. More humanitarian aid is arriving in Gaza amid growing fears the war will widen. A relative of the two women from Evanston released by Hamas last week has reaction to their release. We'll get some suggestions on how married couples can avoid leaving money on the table when it comes to their 401k savings. Plus, it's Stock Picker Monday, and we'll get some investment tips from a 
Money Pro. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 25 points. The NASDAQ is up 106. The S&P 500 is up 15. We have 57 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies going up to 65. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, another small aid convoy has been allowed into Gaza as fears of a widening war have grown following more Israeli airstrikes. As Israeli warplanes continue to pummel Gaza, a small shipment of aid was allowed into the besieged enclave. However, fuel is still not allowed into the territory, where there's been a power blackout for nearly two weeks and hospitals are struggling. Meanwhile, worries heighten of a wider war involving Iranian-funded Hezbollah in Lebanon. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told NBC's Meet the Press that the concerns of a spillover are real. We expect uh, that there's a likelihood of escalation, escalation by Iranian proxies directed against our forces. Thousands of Palestinians have been killed in Gaza by the Israeli military, and over a thousand Israelis have been killed by a Hamas attack on the 7th of October. I'm Karen Chamas. Evanston residents Judith Ranan and her daughter Natalie reportedly are physically well after being released by Hamas, who they kidnapped them on October 7th, but a relative said it's going to be a long road for them and the rest of the family to heal mentally. Ailet Sela told CBS News that Hearing their loved ones were released by Hamas was overwhelming. It's disbelief and it's relief at the, at the same time. And it's all the emotions all at once because um, being happy is a privilege that we do not have right now. She said they're trying to remain strong because eight other relatives, including some young children, are still being held hostage by Hamas. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. A mixed trading today on Wall Street. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com, based in San Diego. Jim, thank you for joining us today. And from here on out, or at least in the near term, uh, is it a good way kind of method or rule of thumb for explaining intraday trading is uh, as goes the bond market, so goes equities? Yep, that's been the case really for probably a year and a half or longer. If you recall, Rob, last October, the stock market bottomed, the bond market bottomed when the dollar topped. And I think we're seeing more evidence that the dollar is topping. Today, there's a lot of technical evidence that the bond market may have completed a decline that began from the March 2020 high when TLT traded at 179.70. So we've seen a huge decline over the last uh, two plus years and uh, three plus years in TLT. I think technically it's giving signs that a low is at hand. So that's my take. And this is uh, the, the second prong of the Fed's approach to bringing down inflation. The first one, of course, is raising the federal funds rate. The other one is kind of unfurling its portfolio of bonds that it bought up during the uh, uh, the early stages of the pandemic shutdowns. And because there's just this glut of uh, of bonds out there, uh, yields are at, f- at or near 5% uh, for the first time in 16 years. Yep. You have an imbalance between supply and demand. Uh, The Federal Reserve has stopped buying $65 billion worth of bonds every month. They are now letting that run off. 
so that is, in effect, adding to the supply. And the government just finished uh, the 2023 fiscal year with a $1.7 trillion deficit. We have never seen a deficit that large as a percent of GDP uh, without being in a recession. So we're in uncharted territory. And those dynamics are keeping investors, if you will, uh, you know, being cautious in terms of not being aggressive buyers, even with rates at 5% or above. Now, this this is a discussion that could uh, go on for an hour and a half about uh, <laughs> about the, the importance of budget deficits, because for a long time, they seemed like they were hand-waved away, regardless of ideology, regardless of who was in the White House or controlling Congress. Uh, the budget deficit just seemed to be an issue that was out of sight, out of mind, but now... Thanks to uh, its impact of the mod market, it's kind of it's rearing its ugly head again every time uh, you want to, to, to finance something, whether as a business or a consumer. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing, uh, Rob, uh, to your point, is that interest expenses are consuming an ever larger portion of the budget. So next year, uh, interest expense will probably approach a trillion dollars. Well, that means less spending on all the other programs, including defense. Um, unfortunately, I, I think it's going to take a bigger breakdown, if you will, in the bond market to wake up both political parties uh, to really get serious about addressing the deficit problem that we have that's been building for decades, especially as we enter an election year next year. So I, I think this problem is going to get worse before we really see any kind of solution. That said, I think we're going to see a significant rally in Treasury bond prices over the next six to nine months. I'm in the camp that as we get into 2024, we're going to see a recession develop, and that will ultimately cause the Fed to cut rates. And that's why I think we could see Treasury yields come down before this subject becomes another huge uh, discussion. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com, based in San Diego. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, don't lose out on retirement savings. Discover how you can maximize your 401k. It's cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Many couples miss out on 401k savings with one partner diligently working toward a nest egg while the other one neglects retirement contributions altogether. Joining us now to discuss is Elizabeth Buffardi, founder of Crescendo Financial Planners and co-chair of the Personal Financial Planning Forum of the Illinois CPA Society based in Oakbrook. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us today. And how often do you encounter this where one income in the family, they are maximizing their 401k, they're getting all the match they can get, and then the other one's paycheck is devoted to household expenses? I don't see it quite that often, but what I do see a lot is where couples um, do keep all of their money separate from each other, and maybe one person does pay the bulk of the bills, and usually it's the the wife or the female spouse that is um, the one that's saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when my when my husband passes away, and where's all the money, and that sort of thing. And then um, the other thing, too, is it, you know, where you talk about how if you're not maximizing your 401k uh, contributions and you have an employee match, uh, you're walking away from free money. Uh, the other part of it is there are obvious tax advantages to uh, socking more money away. There are. And, it, and that coordination between the couples, I think, is very important. 
I, I understand when couples want to keep things separate from each other or, or at least keep, you know, the, the account separate. But at the same point, there, that coordination is very important. We're talking to Elizabeth Buffardi, co-founder of Crescendo Financial Planners and co-chair of the Personal Financial Planning Forum for the Illinois CPA Society based in Oakbrook. And what can you do as a financial planner to kind of counsel somebody towards that? You know, there, there people uh, keep their finances separate for a number of reasons, and you kind of have to be a, a psychologist as well as a financial planner to, un- <laughs> uh, to, to remove the layers of that particular onion. But... Uh, how can you nudge a couple in that direction? Well, what I like to do is I like to, when I do asset allocation, so figuring out where, you know, what investments we're going to put all the money into, I like to look at the options in each of the 401k plans because for it's getting better, but for a while, most 401k plans only had two or three good options. So instead of allocating across a bunch of, you know, less than optimal things, then let's look at who's got the best options and what are the best options in each of the plans and use that to, to start the basis. And then we can use all of the other money to fill in the holes that were created by the 401k plans. And the other thing, back to the, 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 the tax side of things, um, you may not see it when the uh, 401k amount is uh, taken out of your paycheck every two weeks, but it does come back to you in part uh, come April 15th in the form of uh, a lower amount of taxable income. Yes, it does. The, the, when you allocate money to a 401k plan, not a Roth 401k plan, just a regular 401k plan, that causes a deduction on your tax return in the form of it reduces the taxable wages. If you contribute to a Roth 401k, you're not going to see that same deduction. You'll see it later when you take the money out and there's no tax on those, on those withdrawals. Thanks for the insight. Elizabeth Pafardi, founder of Crescendo Financial Planners and co-chair of the Personal Financial Planning Forum for the Illinois CPA Society based in Oak Brook. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, a pair of investment ideas from a money pro. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and joining us with a pair of investment ideas is Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial based in New York. Art, thank you for joining us today. Uh, two selections today, and the uh, first one has the potential to uh, make a lot of news this week. Yeah, first one uh, being Apple, and Apple is uh, uh, pretty well known and uh, well off its high, which it made in July, so it got as high as $198. It's probably one of the best-run companies and the most shareholder-friendly management teams uh, in corporate America they um, have suffered under some constraints and concerns about what's going on in China, which I think are overblown. China's about 20% of their overall business. But more importantly to us is their expansion into India. And India is likely going to exit this year, being the second largest economy in the world. So really important new market for them. I think when you look at a company that uh, historically it, it trades about 30 times, currently trading at about 27 times. It, it, it's, it's screening up as a, as a growth at a reasonable price. The stock has a pile of cash and always does a pretty good job of both investing that in new product, but certainly returning it to shareholders, both in the form of dividends and buybacks. And then uh, move, before we move on to the next one, what is it, you know, what, what's the main growth driver for Apple? Is it still smartphones, watches, iPads? Is it the Apple TV Plus? Where, where are they really seeing all the growth these days? 
Well, I would say all of the above. So it's gone from just being an iPhone company manufacturer to a company that uh, is growing importance on their ecosystem, which basically means the App Store and, and the uh, in the Apple uh, ecosystem, which is you know growing from a five percent of their overall revenues to twenty five percent of their overall revenues. They have started reporting things like wearables, which wasn't even a line item a year ago as part of their earnings. So that's growing really rapidly. I would say it's the ongoing uh, creation of new products that we don't know we need until they invent it and then we definitely can't live without it so it is it, it it's going from being a manufacturer of, of iphones and getting a multiple for a hardware company to a company that's got a blended multiple of both producing uh, must-have hardware to a, a service revenue because the service part of their uh, uh, revenues is growing rapidly and continues to and your next selection is uh, geared at people who are uh, bargain hunters yeah, the treasure hunters, as we like to call them, and, and uh, TJ Maxx, which is uh, TJ and Marshalls and Home Goods, and, and, uh, and they've, they've finally post-pandemic got all of their stores open, and all of them are firing on all cylinders. Think about it like this: with department stores being over inventory, TJ is the is the net winner here, and uh, we saw their back-to-school numbers already, and they look spectacular. Holiday season will likely looks better, but. The good news about TJ is none of their uh, storefronts are in malls. They're an off-mall retailer, so the the slowdown in mall traffic has been a benefit for them. But the the one thing they really drive is that that treasure hunter who likes doesn't know what they need until they get into a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls or a Home Goods and then discover something at a fantastic price. So they've done a really good job. They they uh, they tailor their uh, inventory to the geography you're in. So if you're in a, uh, you know if you're in the Miracle Mile, the TJ Maxx there is going to have uh, very upscale clothing, and if you're out in uh, Gary, Indiana, they have things that are more rural focused. So they do you know each store has the ability to tailor their inventory, and they do, they do a fantastic job of uh, keeping up that treasure hunt dream. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. His selections, Apple, AAPL, and the TJX companies, TJX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.